What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Song of Songs, chapter 7, verse 5, please. We slowed way down in the last two weeks because this is the description, chapter 7, verses 1 through, I think it's 9, where Jesus is describing his bride and she's coming into her identity that is in Christ. That's the overarching theme. And so we're continuing in that. And so if you're not receiving the declarations from Jesus, your husband, you're not listening to your husband. He says your feet are beautiful. Well, I don't like my feet. He says they're in sandals because you're royalty. You're royalty. He declares things over and says, you have discernment now as you look towards Damascus. Your head, verse 5, right? It crowns you like what? Carmel, meaning Man, the authority, the authority that she now has, she can operate with the same kind of authority that Elijah had because Elijah was a man just like us, James chapter 5, and he prayed it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. Oh, God, help me to walk in that authority. But when I walk in that authority of Elijah, help me not to be of the wrong spirit. Chris, what do you mean? The disciples were walking with Jesus and people were rejecting them. And, and, and they said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah? And he rebuked them and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. How many Christians have verses and they think they're Elijah and they're calling down fire on somebody and they don't realize they don't know what spirit they're of? Jesus said, Scripture says, he's, Jesus will baptize you with fire. And I want to call down the fire on everybody here today including myself, the fire that burns away what doesn't belong in my heart so that it is only him that moves me. It is only him that I'm focused on. It is only him that I follow. And I want to leave it all because everything's burned. God is a consuming what? Fire. Yes, Lord. I want that. I want that. I want to be like that bush that Moses saw. It it was on fire, but it wasn't consumed. Consume us, God. Not the fire to destroy. You know how many people have done this to me? I'm, I'm wiping the sandals off your feet. I'm done with you. I'll never work with you again. I'll never minister into you again. I will never take part in anything that you're doing. By the way, those are quote unquotes. What does Jesus say? Love always hopes. Love always believes the best. 
Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love always never fails. It never fails. Jesus will never give up on you. So the person that said to me was of, was of the wrong spirit. They wanted to call down fire. And if I was more mature at the time, I would have said that you're in the wrong spirit. Because Jesus, last time I checked, he'll never wipe the sandals off of me. He's always going to leave the 99 to go after the one. It's who he is. And if for some reason, if I get really dumb and want to do life on my own, like the prodigal, like I've been there, Scott, you were there, we saw it, right? I, that, was, that was the story of my life. Guess what? My dad, my dad, he is looking, he is waiting, he is wanting me to come home. Why? Because God is love, and his love never fails. It never fails. And so, man, if we really believed that we were loved by God with this passionate love, it would change how we move. If we were convinced of his love, would we ever fear? The reason why you and I fear is because love is not yet perfected. We know he loves us, but if fear ever has a place in our life, it means I'm not completely secure in the love of the Father. Don't beat yourself up. No condemnation. We would never worry. If you are convinced that God loves you fully, you would never worry again in the rest of your life. Worry could never have a place because you know your dad owns it all. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. And so I don't worry. If my wife doesn't change, I don't worry because I can't change her. I've committed her to the Lord. If the situation or the people that I'm dealing with don't change, I release that to the Lord. And I'm not worried about it because I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. This is what it means to dwell like, listen, if we were fully convinced of God's love, we wouldn't be concerned with our own life. Can you say I'm dead to money? I, I could care less about money. If Jesus asked me to give all my money away today, I would do that and not, not even flinch. The rich young ruler didn't believe <laughs> in the goodness of God, that what you sow, you'll reap. If I really was convinced of the love of God, I would be quick to follow and obey because I know my father loves me and he has what's best for my life. And so here we are in 5B. Chapter 7, Song of Songs. And your flowing locks are like purple. The king is A king is held captive in the tresses. So, like purple, like purple, purple speaks of royalty. Darren got in my notes here, my assistant, who's from Minnesota, and he's a Vikings fan, and he's like, think Minnesota Vikings. No, 
That is apostasy. That is bad doctrine. Purple speaks of royalty. And he's saying, your locks, your hair, it's, you, you're just such a royal, you're royalty now. Whew. Say I'm royalty. Yeah. By its tresses. Now, this is my family's verse, right? The tress family. Anyway, Jesus is held captive by the tress family. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that. It means this. Tresses are, are locks of hair. And so he's adoring her. There's a holy compelling within his heart. And, and, and he's saying, hey, you have captivated my heart. You have stolen my heart. I am so in love with you, my bride. I, I, I want you to turn back to Song of Songs 4-9 because sometimes I, I think it's, it's more important to, 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 to be reminded to, than to learn new things. And by the way, C.S. Lewis told me that. Uh, Jeremy, if you could put the A.W. Tozer clip up for me as well, please. Song of Songs 4-9, it says you have ravished, you have captivated. That means ravished or stolen. You have stolen my heart. You've ravished my heart. You've captivated my heart. My sister, my bride, you have captivated my heart with what? One glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. And so he, he is in love. He's googly-eyed. I want you to go to Song of Songs 6-5. Song of Songs 6, 5, it says, turn your eyes away from me, for they overwhelm me. And when we went through this passage, I said, do you believe you can make God turn away from you? That he adores you so much that he's like, whew, I just want to scoop him up. And so listen. It's a quote by Tozer, because some of you are having a problem with this, but you're not seeing things in the lens of the gospel. The only sin Jesus ever took on was our sin on the cross. He was the perfect lamb of God without spot or blemish. But the only righteousness we can ever have is his. I'm beautiful because the cross makes me beautiful. The cross has declared me glorious. The cross has declared me captivating. The cross, his blood, his righteousness is given to me. Christ is my righteousness. We need to receive this. This is why I've given you multiple verses like Psalm 16:3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. We're not sinners saved by grace. We're saints that happen to sin. There's a difference because the blood has declared you a saint. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint that happens to sin. And sin means miss the mark. Miss the mark. It's not a condemning thing. Zephaniah 3, 17. 
The Lord God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. There is this rejoicing. And so, again, we, we, we've said before, man, burn this into us, God, so that we believe this, so that we live out of this. Please, Lord, help me to believe that you love me. This is why inner healing is so important, guys. Because some of us had a dad who is performance-oriented. And so you only got an attaboy when you did things right. You know, in the kingdom, you get an attaboy, and you say, God, I need you. I can't do this. Because that's humility, and humility is attractive to God. He opposes the proud. You think you're all that in a bag of chips? Slow your roll, bro. Brokenness, brokenness, humility. Psalm 18, 19, he brought me out to a wide place. He rescued me, why? Because he delighted in me. God delights in you. He delights in you, cat. He delights in you. You know that. He delights in you. Some dudes ass out, have ass out uh, chicks. Listen. They said, no, they just don't see you as God's delight, bro. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Check your breath, but don't take it personal. So are we really, really convinced that we do 7-5-B to Jesus? That, that he, look, look, look at that. It says he's held captive. You can hold Jesus captive. He's held captive by you. He doesn't take his eyes off you. He loves you. Now, I'm going to do a little practical application because, ladies and gentlemen, if we really believe that, then that should affect how we live and walk. And so, Jeremy, if you could put that next picture up there. It was a tweet or something. Um, The Apostle Paul said, I would completely stop eating meat if it makes my brother, whom Christ died for, to stumble. And sometimes modern women say, if my dress makes you stumble, that's your problem. If I'm making you stumble, that's on you, Jack. And sometimes I think... And this is what we don't want to do, legalism in the church. This is not legalism, it's love. Why? Because we have scripture. Go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy 2.9, please, and let me just show you. See, the motive of the heart is love. If I know I'm, I captivate Jesus, I don't have to captivate a man. Fellas, if I know I captivate Jesus, I don't have to captivate a woman with my little, you know, Tank top, you feel what I'm saying? Yes. And we've got to understand we live in a sexualized culture, a sexualized culture where in the church statistics, 77% of men are dealing with porn, 40% of women. This is a sexualized culture in the church. And I know it's hard. I know that this is a hard thing, especially I've, I've listened to the, the ladies tell me 
you know, um, there's certain body types and there's certain clothing and I go to try clothing and I, and I can't find any. And then dudes, right, we go and it's like all skinny jeans, you know, and it's like, bro, you know, and then you go to the beach and it's, it's thong city and, and, and it's, just, it's just nonstop coming at us, you know. This week I'm in the gym, I'm working out and here's these little, two little college girls and they're wearing you know, tight little spandex and tight little spandex crop tops and everything's out there. They, I don't, why wear anything? And so the whole time I'm working out, I'm like this. <laughs> I go home and I tell my, and I did good, by the way. Thanks for praying. I never, I never bleepoed, right? But I go home and my wife's like, well, you should have fled like Joseph. <laughs> That's a good woman right there. And so, ladies, look, I know it's hard. You don't want to wear a potato sack. But there's a style that I'm beginning to like called Grandma Coastal. First Timothy 2.9, it says, Likewise, also, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with what? modesty. Put right above that. Modest is the hottest. Modest is the hottest, according to Jesus. Self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire. Somebody's like, oh, no. I like the New Living Translation because I feel like it kind of explains it better. It says this, and I want women to be modest in their appearance They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way that they fix their hair, by the way that they wear gold or pearls or expensive clothes. So again, it's not legalism. It's the motive of the heart. Am I wearing this so that everybody stops when I walk in the room? Am I on whatever taking my my picture and I'm, I'm, I'm doing that? And, and look, this is how we're trained. Look, when I take my selfies, I don't do chin down because of the double chin. I do the chin up. Where's my focus? Am I, Jesus, does this outfit please you? Am I doing anything to draw attention away from you? Would I, am I wearing something that would cause my brother or sister to stumble? And it's the heart of the matter. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always protects. I don't want my brother to stumble. That's a verse. So I want to protect my brother if that's what they're struggling with. The beautiful thing, this is what attracted me to my wife. My wife was working with me at a, at a restaurant. She was my boss. She's still my boss. And so she hired me as a waiter, and so I went up to her, and I said, Hey, can I speak into your life? She said, Yes. And I said, Your outfit? That's a come-and-get-me outfit. That's an outfit that is probably calling, 
causing dudes to stumble. And my wife was clueless about that because she never thought like that because women are different than men. They don't understand. Guys are visual. It's how God has made us. And the beauty about my wife's heart, she didn't get offended. And we weren't dating, by the way. She liked somebody else, so she was under deception. <laughs> the beauty about my wife was her response, unlike some of the responses that I've had, by the way. Let me get this other hip out. Who are you to come and judge me? You're so legalistic. No, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm wanting what's best for you. I'm wanting what's best for my brothers. It's, it's the motive of the heart. It's important for us. Here's what I do not ever want to happen here at our church is that somebody hears this message and takes it and somebody new is here and you come and you're like condemning and judging. Don't you know what the Bible says? Don't do that. You take somebody out to lunch, you get to know them, and you talk to them when it's the right time. Here at Bow Down, my teaching is not for people that are far away from God. It's not for people that are not saved and born again. My teachings here at church are for disciples. If you, so here's the deal. Pastor, I brought somebody to church. Would you please preach the gospel? My response is going to be, you preach the gospel. That's not what Jesus did. He sent people out to preach the gospel. Church is not a play. Anyway. It's <clears throat> and so here's the question. First question. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. Am I dressing in love? Am I, is, am I trying to captivate Jesus with my attire? Jesus, will this outfit draw attention away from you and who you are? Will this cause my brothers or sisters that are struggling to struggle? Will I cause them that? And see, when we dwell in the motive of love, it becomes easy. Does that make sense? It's legalism. It, it's, 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 it's not legalism. It's love. I'm motivated by love. This is why I don't do this. This is why I do this. Because I love. Hopefully you heard me on that. Verse 6. It says, how beautiful and pleasant you are. Chapter 7, Song of Songs, verse 6. Beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. Again, God is saying, I delight in you. You are pleasant. I want you to turn to Song of Songs 1, verse 8. And Jeremy, if you could throw the, twote, the Tozer quote back up, just so that people understand. This is, this is the context here. If you are the bride of Christ, that means you're born again. If you are not born again, if you are not saved, you're not the bride of Christ. Everything changes when you accept Jesus. You become part of a family. And so I want to do this because uh, 
I want you to see what's going on here. A Song of Songs 1, verse 8, it says, If you don't know, O most beautiful among women. Highlight that if you don't already have it highlighted. I've been telling you to highlight beautiful every time you see it, but I, I want to do this with you. Go to 115. It says, Behold, you are beautiful. That's the second time. My love, behold, you are beautiful. Third time, your eyes are like doves. Go over to Song of Songs 210. It says, my beloved speaks, and he says to me, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. That's the fourth time. Highlight beautiful. Why is that important? Because she's received that. She knows what he said. She's quoting him. She's hidden his word in her heart. 4-1, 4-1, Song of Songs. Behold, you are beautiful. Sixth time, you're beautiful. My love, behold, you are beautiful. Seventh time, Song of Solomon 4, 7, you are altogether beautiful. Number eight, that's number eight right there, my love. There's no flaw in you. Because of the cross, there's no flaw in you, Christian. Song of Songs 4, 10, how beautiful. Number nine is your love, my sister, my bride. And now the other, Song of Songs 5.9. Song of Songs 5.9, it says, oh, most beautiful among women. Now, now her companions that were trying to cover her up with things, they say to her, you are most beautiful. The world is beginning to see that she's coming into her own. She's coming into her Christ-likeness. And they see it and they say, oh, most beautiful. Go to chapter 6, verse 1. It says, oh, most beautiful among women again. And that is the others speaking. You're beautiful. Song of Songs 6, 4. You are beautiful. That's the 10th time she's, she's heard this. Song of Songs 610, beautiful as the moon, beautiful, beautiful. There's a beauty in the moon that you could just stare at. That's the 11th time. And then chapter 7, verse 1, beautiful are your feet. And then chapter 7, verse 6, how beautiful, beautiful and pleasant you are. That's the 13th time total with others and with him saying it is 15 times in seven chapters. He says it 13 times. The others say it twice. Do you think by now you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Like, do you feel like she may have received it? I think so. And there's this contentment that's birthed in her that we'll see in chapter 8 where she is leaning in on her beloved because she is just resting in the fact that she is his and he is mine. And some of us, we've heard so many voices declare you're not beautiful. This is what's wrong with you. This is what you need to fix. And listen, I tried to be the best parent I could be, but I trafficked in, in that kind of stuff where no, 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 no. And our words, they have the power of life and death. It's in the tongue. 
And we need to begin to declare the beauty, the beauty of Christ in each and every one of us so that we hear it and we can come up into it. And some of you men, listen. Well, I, I told her she was beautiful the day I married her. She should know that already. No. She needs to hear it her day, all time. It's like putting gas in your car, bro. And when that gas isn't in the car, you're running on empty, bro. And you wonder why things ain't happening, happening. Because women need affirmation so that they, you know what I'm saying. Dudes, we don't need it as much. My wife, hey, can tell me once a month that I'm attractive, and boy, I'm good for the year. <laughs> and I'm like, does that mean you want me right now? <laughs> we're like dogs, kind of, you know? But we're not dogs returning to our vomit. Forgive me, Lord. Do you know at the night Jesus, the last night before he was betrayed, the Last Supper, it says that, that Jesus... 23 times, chapter, John chapter 13 through 17, 23 times Jesus brought up the word love. Can you imagine that? Love, I love you, I love you, abide in my love, love one another, love, love, love. One night, the one night before he was killed on the cross, chapters John 13 through 17, 23 times love is used by our king. He is a God of love. And he knew they were going to leave him. They, he knew they were going to leave him. But he still says, I love you. I love it because Jesus, before he did one miracle at his baptism, God spoke over him and said, you're my son, chosen, and marked by my love, you're the pride of my life. You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. I'm pleased with you. You don't have to do one miracle. You don't have to make one disciple. I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. Some of us have this misconception that, oh, if I was in ministry, then God would really love me. Stop it. God said to the carpenter, who has not one recorded miracle, I'm pleased with you. It's not what you do, it's what he has done. That's why that's up here. You are righteous and holy because of the cross. I want you to turn to Ephesians 3.14. If you're struggling with your identity in Christ and what the cross did, it's Ephesians 1 through 3. I would encourage you to just keep reading it, reading it, reading it, and just don't move out of that until you begin to believe what's written. I mean, man, 
verse, chapter 1, verse 3 of Ephesians, it says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Some of you don't believe that. That's why you go to conferences. No, you have it all. Well, I didn't get this guy to lay hands on me. I didn't get this impartation. I didn't get the second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. According to Christ, you have everything you need for the life of godliness. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing. Now, do you want more? Yeah, I want more. But here's what we should want more if our motive and our heart is right. We should want more of the knowledge of the love of God. The anointing, the gifts, miracles, signs, and wonders, that stuff, it follows us. I want to be soaked in dr- the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray, f- I pray that over my life a lot. Flood me with your presence, God. But understand that I have everything that I need. I have it all. And so our identity, Ephesians 1 through 3, and then how we walk it out is chapters 4 through 6. But if you don't have your identity, identity, Ephesians 1 through 3, secured, you'll never be able to walk it out properly 4 through 6. There's a reason to the order in that book there. And so here Paul, after he declares identity, declares identity, declares identity, Look at what he does in Ephesians 3, 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Capital S. Where? In your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through classes, through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. This is the whole point of the message today. The prayer is, see, because let's, let's, if I'm rooted and grounded in love, I'll never fear. I'll never worry. I'll be willing to follow him when he says, come out on the water. I'll have no concern with my life, no self-preservation. Like when those things pop up, I'm not convinced of his love. When we complain like I should be here, I should be there. What is that? It exposes that we're not trusting in the love of God. And really, it's a form of complaint. Because we're not satisfied where, with our, where our loving dad has us. This is why John the Baptist was a great, one of the greatest men born of a woman. John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. Why? Because it was prophesied over him that he would be the one um, preaching in the wilderness, causing people to return to Jesus, making the path straight to the Lord. But he went out into the wilderness for 30 years and he did nothing. Until what? Until the appointed time came. If you're not convinced of the love of God, you can't wait. You got to go do. 
Because doing gives you value. Your value doesn't come from the love of God. How do I know this? Oh, that's how I've lived for many years as a Christian. Save me from myself, Jesus. I want to be to the place where I'm so convinced of the love of God. Philippians 2, 7 is the reality of my life. In the King James Version, I like it better. It says, he made himself of no reputation. That's big. That means I can come up here and confess to you. Because I don't care what you think. He loves me, even if you leave me. I read leadership books. Don't ever let them see your weakness. Yeah, that's not biblical. That's a facade. Never apologize. What the heck? So many of us are trying to prove and strive and performance because we're not convinced our dad loves us. Let's finish up verse 18. And may have the strength to comprehend. Right above comprehend, you should write, I will not understand the love of God without Jesus. You can't know the love of God and how deep and how wide and how high without him revealing it to you. You will not. In our American mindset, we think we can learn something, take a class, and we got it. No, this kind of love, it's given, and it's beyond our comprehension, meaning that that we're going to grow in the love of God and be more convinced of the love of God as we walk with God. And this needs to be a constant prayer for us. God, convince me of your love because I don't have the strength to comprehend. I'm not smart enough to comprehend. With all the saints, what is the length, the height, the depth, and to know? There it is. That word know is epinosis in the Greek. It doesn't mean knowing from the place where you read books and you study and you take classes and you know. This Greek word means that there is a revelation coming down. Epinosis. It came from above, not from what we do. It's received. And this is the beauty of Christianity. Christianity is a religion. That's received. Islam is a religion you have to obey to please God, to do things, to satisfy God. Christianity is a religion where God came down for us. He comes to us. He came to us. We don't go to him. He came to us. And he died for us. We don't have to die for him. It's a different religion when you have to die for God. No, no, no. Christ died for us. The beauty of Christianity. Verse 19, and the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge. Again, you're never going to be able to understand it. I'm more convinced now of the love of God than I was last year. And that is going to progressively grow as I walk with God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's God's desire that you're filled up with him so that your cup overflows. Verse 20, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work where? Where is it? It's within us. You don't have to go to another conference to get it. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations 
forever and ever. Amen. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we turn our hearts towards you. And Lord, I know that there's been a lot of damage done to people. Just as Scott shared his testimony that the issues with his dad just, it, it kind of blocked what a father should do. And so right now, God, we just forgive all of our dads that were not what they should have been. We just forgive them and we release them. Maybe it was our mom. We forgive and we release. Society, churches, we forgive and release. God, you are the God that loves. You are the God that dies for your enemies. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, we just ask that you would just remove, remove, Anything that blocks, that blocks us from receiving the love of God, that you declare over us, we are beautiful, that we are pleasant, that you delight in us. God, these things we have a hard time believing because we see our faults. We see how we fall short. But God, your love, it speaks. Your blood, it speaks. And it declares us righteous and holy. So, Lord, we just come humbly before you now and we just say, Lord, we can't comprehend your love. We can't attain it. And so we humble ourselves and say, we want to know, Jesus, your love more and more and more in our lives. Please, God, convince us of your love so that when it's time to jump, we jump. When it's time to give, we give. When it's time to forgive, we forgive. When it's time to, we can go. Why? Because we're compelled by the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels me. Oh, God, burn, burn, burn this into us. And as we sing to you, God, I pray if there's anyone that needs prayer, that they would just come forward. And receive, God, what you have for them. As we quiet our hearts before you, God. Pray your Holy Spirit would just minister to us. And that you would just convince us of your love. If you don't give, we don't have Jesus. And it's your desire to give. So we welcome you, God. We welcome you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.